time to find out if John Krasinski, who's been covering the Timberwolves forever, thinks this was one of the greatest weeks in Timberwolves history. This is the John Krasinski Show, part of TalkNorth.com. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is the easiest way to listen. It's also free. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. Brandon Morton is our producer, and we appreciate you listening to the network. Let's get right to it, John. Four straight wins uh, of the dramatic variety at a time when they absolutely need them if they're going to avoid the play-in game. Uh, Towns comes back and wins a couple of games for them. They win despite Towns and Ant having either missed games or limited minutes. They win with intelligent basketball, with ball movement, with, you know, definitely improved defense over what we saw earlier in the season. So put this last four-game stretch into perspective for me. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great place to start, Jim, is that um, when you look at where the team was when Anthony Edwards went down with this ankle injury in Chicago and just sort of the nature of the Western Conference and how tight it is and and everything like that, um, it to, to see the way that they have gone about methodically getting back into this Western Conference playoff race with huge wins on the road against very difficult opponents. Um, It's hard to really overstate the importance and the impressiveness, I guess, of this last stretch because they were looking like a team that was sort of hanging on, trying to figure things out. Now they have sort of shifted into a team that looks dangerous. And I think that um, the way that they played, especially in Golden State and Sacramento, where I was the last uh, on on Sunday and Monday, what that looked like to me was not a team that sort of was taking advantage of a couple of breaks that got lucky there, you know, that, that, that sort of surprised their opponents and, and sneaked up on them. That was like a team that just said, Hey, we're just better than you. And we're going to do the right things and make the right plays and, and just handle business. And so there is a sort of, uh, I think, you know, I, we talked to Chris Finch about this after the Sacramento game. I do think that a team that has long been searching for an identity and and a and a sense of self uh, is starting to find it, and it, it's you know the timing couldn't be better. And you just you you look at this team right now where they are positioned. No matter what happens in Phoenix on Wednesday night, it's it's a team that I think now looks like they have to be taken seriously. Um, and, and I just don't know that I have felt that way for much of this season. Um, it's it it th- these last four games have been. Really, really impressive. No doubt about it. We are talking on Wednesday morning, as John said, Wolves at Phoenix on Wednesday night. We'll talk a little bit about that game, but of course we do shows that, that we hope, hope have a shelf life, so we'll talk about more big issues that will extend into this last stretch. And hey, they've you know as we're speaking right here, uh, they have six games left, and the way they're playing, I could see them going five and one down the stretch. Uh, and and that might have sounded crazy a little while ago. It, it- like a hundred percent, Jim, like when I went on the road, uh, for Golden State and for, uh, Sacramento, and you're kind of just trying to look at 
what is the realistic expectations and and where are they going and what you know what are they you thinking man this could be an Owen three trip without any blink like without any, even if they played well it could be it could it could be an Owen three trip uh, including the Phoenix game and um, and now just the nature of the way that they are playing and the way that they did go about winning those games it's not impossible that five and one is there now given the kind of craziness of this season given the uh the the wild swings of this season could they go uh two and four yeah they they could it, it that is still possible but i just feel like they are starting to earn a little bit more trust and faith just in the way that they're winning these games, especially these close games and and the way that Conley and Kyle Anderson are are kind of leading the way in terms of executing they are they have they have turned into a team that is not beating themselves. And so when you look at it, you have Phoenix, then you have you come home for the Lakers and the Blazers, you go on the road to Brooklyn and San Antonio and you come back home for New Orleans. Um, five and one, four and two, I, I think like if, to me, if you go four and two, I think that that is a pretty strong uh, finishing kick to get you to the sixth seed. Um, and you know, if you go any better than that, we'll see uh, see how, how how high you could climb. But that I think should be the benchmark of just go four and two and give yourself a real chance here at at holding on to the sixth seed, which is kind of remarkable when you think. Just um, like 10 days ago, they were 35 and 37 and had lost three straight games, Boston, Chicago, Toronto. And it was looking like they might have to scratch and claw just to stay in the plan. And now they're looking legitimately at the sixth seed. And the and and that is a realistic goal. And and the way they're playing, uh, I, I would not rule that out at all. John Krasinski show is brought to you by TSR Injury Law, All Energy Solar, Head Flyer Brewing, and Manscaped. And again, we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Uh, so all of a sudden, you know, the way they're playing, all the moves they've made in the last calendar year start start to look a lot better. Let's face it. Uh, Gobert has been very good lately, uh, and he seems to fit better offensively he's been more impressive defensively his rebounding numbers are, have always been been very good uh Kyle Anderson you know Finch called him the, the most important player the other night I, and that doesn't sound like hyperbole he's just a, a brilliant player and Conley comes in and he struggled with the shot a little bit early with the Wolves now he's hitting the shots he has to hit he's improved them defensively he's improved Gobert because he knows how to play with Gobert now all these questionable moves not that Anderson wasn't a questionable move i think we all like that from the the, the from the jump but Gobert the Gobert move was bashed nationally uh widely and uh the Conley move confused a lot of people because Russell is shooting so well it all seems to make sense at this moment yeah, I think the pieces just fit together a lot better right now um, than they did even at the start of the year. And look, let's let's also be completely fair here. The criticism, especially of the Gobert deal, was very merited early on. Um, mm-hmm. The first couple of months of the season, Rudy did not look like the Rudy Gobert that we are seeing right now. Um, the way that 
everything fit together with D'Angelo Russell, with Carl Anthony Towns, with Edward. It was it was a a slog. It was just like a a real kind of glaring. I don't know what they're. I don't know how what they expected out of this type of a situation. Um, and Tim Conley did take a lot of harsh criticism for the price that he paid for Gobert, but also not just the price, but what this team looked like on the court. And through that early stage of criticism, he talked to the athletic a few times. He talked to to several outlets um, over the course of it. And he really did say, you try to preach patience, said that, hey, they need time to come together and need time to figure this out. And a lot of people did not want to hear that at, at, at the moment. But he has, Tim has really kind of done enough now to start to kind of build the team in a fashion that fits Gobert a little bit better. Oh, by the way, getting Carl Anthony Towns back, pretty big deal. Like, yeah. pretty big deal um, in this whole grand scheme of things as well. Um, and that was another thing that people missed. But the Conley deal uh, really was just an enormous move for Tim Connolly because when you see the way that Mike Conley is settling this locker room down, is organizing the offense late in games, getting good shots, navigating screens on defense and helping them play that way, and the way that he has activated Rudy Gobert. Um, just essential. Just essential a role for him and an essential move. And oh, by the way, they got Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who is a little up and down, but has given them a, a, a bench player who was regularly in the rotation and is helping them defensively. And they got three second-round picks as well. So um, the vibe that I witnessed in those in that locker room on Monday or on Sunday and Monday was a team that just feels right that that is connected that um, is you know all going in the right in the same direction and that wasn't always the case in that locker room and and so. Um, for all of the criticism that Connolly took, and some of it was very much warranted early on with the Gobert uh, move, he deserves a lot of credit because now he's assembled a roster that has three ultra-reliable veterans that you can put in in big moments, Conley, uh, Anderson, and Gobert. And he has the young players around him that sort of add the dynamic nature of it and the juice to it. And so they are a confident group that that you can just see the puzzle just nestling in snugly. And um, and it, it looks a, a heck of a lot better than it did, let's even say, in December for sure. No doubt about it. Uh, all right. Much more to get to, including we'll talk about the ownership situation with A-Rod and Lori. I want to talk about Nas Reed and Finch reaching 100 victories. The moment we do want to let you know, we are sponsored by TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. If you are injured, you want good representation, ethical representation, and in this case, uh, TSR Injury Law won't even charge you unless they win your case. They win a lot of cases. Uh, that's why they are a great Minnesota success story. 612-TSR-TIME. Uh, now let's hear about Headflyer Brewing. 
Head Flyer Brewing, Northeast Minneapolis, and can you believe it has been six years since Neil, since Nate, since the guys opened Head Flyer Brewing right on Hennepin Avenue, right off of 35W in Northeast Minneapolis, and it's gone by fast, and they are going to celebrate their six-year anniversary in style. April 22nd, from noon to midnight, Head Flyer Brewing is going to be hosting a celebration bash uh at at the brewery they've got music from pert near stansone from the alex rossi trio from harlow from the new sound underground they have food trucks from parlor bar from bad rooster they have new beer releases they have all sorts of specials they're gonna have great merch on sale hopefully by april 22nd it's gonna be a little bit warmer and everyone can get together at a great brewery with fantastic beers and have a party to celebrate six years for Head Flyer Brewing. I'm going to try to be there unless the Wolves are on the road in the playoffs somewhere. And um, I really encourage everyone to get out there. April 22nd, noon to midnight, Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis for their sixth year anniversary celebration. Congratulations to Head Flyer. Want to let you know that if you want to save money on your next solar install, you can find out what incentives you could qualify for at allenergysolar.com slash coach, as in basketball coach. If you go to allenergysolar.com slash coach, uh, you can also find out more about All Energy Solar, the way they deliver quality solar installations for homes and businesses. And they've been doing it since 2009. You can get a free solar quote. Uh, if you want to be more green, you can find out how solar energy can help. You can get a fr- how to you can find out how to get a free site assessment at allenergysolar.com/coach. The electrical grid has limited space for renewable energy, so beat the rush and plan your solar installation soon. Visit allenergysolar.com/coach for your free site assessment. Also, uh, solar energy with solar with energy storage can provide peace of mind during winter storms and summer storms. So we get all kinds of storms up here. Uh, you can go to allenergysolar.com slash battery to read their ebook, Energy Storage Plus Solar at allenergysolar.com slash battery. Uh, let's hear from John now on Manscaped. This is a public service announcement. Manscaped now has beard products and is going even further with their brand new Weed Whacker 2.0. Go ahead and tell the world the leaders in below-the-waist grooming are traveling north of your South Pole with their revolutionary grooming products. The new Weed Whacker 2.0 and their new beard line confirms they have all the best tools for your hygiene toolbox. Time for you to upgrade your game by going to manscaped.com and using our code ATHLETIC for 20% off and free shipping. Gentlemen, meet the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. It is the ultimate package that makes it easier than ever to craft your signature look. It all starts with the cordless electric Beard Hedger. The Beard Hedger is tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to single stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. This waterproof cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 haircutting lengths all with one guard, so no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. The Pro Kit also comes with four dermatologist tested formulations for your post trim care this includes manscapes beard shampoo and conditioner beard oil and beard balm to moisturize style and shimmer your new beard plus the kit has three gifts a beard brush comb and scissors now that you have your face looking great you must try manscapes performance package 4.0 for the full body grooming experience so get 20% off and free shipping with our code athletic at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use our code athletic. 
Nas Reed. Uh, we talked about Kyle Anderson. He's been mm-hmm. essential for this team in every way. A good veteran player can be essential for a team. Nas Reed, uh, subject of some trade rumors at the trade deadline, and he is he's a phenomenon. I mean, I just there are not many. I I know you know there are certain matchup things you can't play him defensively against certain lineups, whatever. But my God, how many players in the league can do what he can do? Uh, you know, beat people with a spin dribble, shoot long three pointers at a high rate of efficiency. Uh, he he's almost impossible to guard. Yeah, offensively, Jim, he has one of the most unique packages that you're going to see in the league and it is not like one trick pony oh this is cute this guy comes off the bench and does this one thing and it's and it's kind of nice it's literally like jaw-dropping uh skill set it's it it's elite offensive capabilities and uh, i wrote a story at the athletic this week you know the other thing that is special for the timberwolves about Nas Reed is, yeah, he may have a deficiency here and there. He may need to get better um, against uh, with with defensive matchups, you know, and some of his like analytics with like his plus minus and, and net rating and things like that aren't the greatest. But one thing that that really sort of in cements him in his role in this team is the attitude that he brings to this whole situation. He's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. He could be really upset that he's stuck behind two all-star caliber centers and that his role was potentially going to be reduced and, and cost him money. But that's not been what he has the way he's gone gone about it all season long. And uh, I wrote at the athletic that, you know, everyone on the team, understandably at all star break, they they all went their separate ways. They went to find some sandy beach or some warm temperatures, some sunshine to just kind of recharge after a long um, lead up to to that weekend and 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 wanted to reboot. Nas stayed in Minnesota. And he knew that Carl Anthony Towns was coming back fairly soon. He also knew he also felt at that time that he was not in a very good rhythm, that he needed to sort of just re- sharpen his game and and refocus on, you know, the work of it and get ready for the last you know, 30 games of the season and really position himself to, to be better and also to help the team. And so he came out of the all-star break really sharp and um and he has played so well that he has forced Chris Finch to keep him in the rotation even with Carl Anthony Towns back and so in some ways the way that Nas is playing has helped the Wolves double down even further on this ultra big look that they do because you can't play Nas 10 minutes anymore in any of these games. He's just too valuable and can do too many things for you, especially offensively. So he's got to be 20 to 25 minutes a night. And that means playing with Rudy Gobert. That means playing with Carl Anthony Towns. And historically, Nas with another big has not looked good, but he has figured out ways and the Wolves have figured out ways for him to be really effective even in those moments. And he was enormous in Sacramento, Jim, in the fourth quarter 
a big three-pointer, a huge dunk, doing things that just gave them more and more buckets to kind of stem the tide until they came back with McDaniels and, and Conley and, um, and, and some of the more offensive-minded guys as well. And so the, he is positioning himself to get a big payday this summer, but also he's just been so valuable to what this team does um, on the court and winning games. And uh, it's just kind of refreshing to see a guy like that with that kind of attitude really be rewarded uh, with some really strong play lately. And I think this leads us to Chris Finch. Uh, he's had a very strange team to coach this year. Uh, you know, brand new at the beginning, key injury to the guy who might have been at the beginning of the year, the best player, Carl Anthony Towns. Anthony Edwards has missed a little time lately. Gobert was very clunky early on and really kind of gummed up Finch's ball movement offense. Uh, they end up getting rid of Russell, who was shooting it great, bringing in Conley. He struggled shooting at the beginning. And I just, I'm very impressed by the fact that Nasri can go through a tough stretch and Finch can just kind of stick with him and help him help him get going, and he turns into a great player. We saw it with, with uh, Noel last year when Noel was just nowhere, and all of a sudden he, he has a great month or two because Finch wasn't afraid to – I'm sorry, I was, I'm probably thinking more of Torian Prince last year sure, uh, where yep. he went through the, the bad stretch, and, and Finch, by the end of the year, you know, he was one of their best players. He, he's only the second, correct me if I'm wrong, only the second Wolves coach to reach 100 victories, mm-hmm. which says a lot about team history. Uh, I just think that uh, he is an ideal modern coach. He knows how he knows how to you know, engender support within the locker room. He understands where players are coming from. He understands uh, – he, he understand, I mean, not, not only understands the game, he understands the NBA version of the game, which is your – dealing with an intersection of basketball talent, basketball strategy, but also, you know, young men with a chance to make generational wealth and dealing with egos and pressures and all those things. I just think he manages all that stuff beautifully. Yeah, it's it's been an incredibly challenging year for him. And there, there definitely have been times this season where you look at it and you can, I could tell like he's really searching for answers he's trying to find things and he was maybe trying some rotations trying some combinations and it wasn't working or um or you you kind of you're you're scratching your head why is he doing this what's going on here um but what the thing i think that he does really well is he leads without an ego in a way that he believes in what he w- believes in, and he certainly has a, a dogma that he thinks will produce the most uh, effective and successful basketball. But when he has players who maybe don't necessarily fit that, I think that you see him trying to meet them in the middle on things, trying to find ways, okay, if if my way isn't working here, how are we going to get to a way that seems to work for the majority involved here and gives us a chance. And I do think that as the season has evolved and as the the roster moves have been made, it has gotten more to a point where the roster fits more of what Chris Finch wants to do ideally as a coach. And uh, that is he wants to give his players sort of some free reign to play with flow and not have to 
call every play, not have to really lord over them. And so when you have three veterans like Conley, Anderson, and Gobert out there, those are those are the kinds of players that can sort of play more instinctually and and read and react and less of they need a set system in place and play calls every time down the floor and things like that. So um, so this fits him a little bit more, but he also has made adjustments to the way he does things. When Conley came in, they have run more side pick and rolls with Rudy Gobert setting the screen out more on the wing rather than up, up near the top of the key. Um, they've done more of that since Conley arrived than they did in the entirety of, of the season leading up to it because Conley came in and said, hey, this is what we ran with Utah that really worked. This is what really causes problems for the opposing uh, defense. And Finch accommodated that and said, OK, let's go with that. And, and, and you're seeing more and more of it, not just with Conley and Rudy, but with McLaughlin, with, with Anthony Edwards. You're seeing a lot more of those sets that um, I think have sort of emboldened Rudy Gobert and made him more comfortable and then made the team harder to guard. So um, Finch has evolved throughout this season, uh, and I think that his ability to adapt on the fly has been really important in helping this team find its way to this point in the season. Well said. Uh, Carl Vinny Towns has been eased back into the lineup uh, in terms of minutes, he, he didn't play the second night of the back-to-back in Sacramento. What's the uh, reasonable expectation for minutes and uh, usage the rest of the way here? Yeah, I think that it, you'll see it gradually increase, Jim. Um, I, I was not surprised that he didn't play in Sacramento, but to see them win without him was really impressive. But I think m- the bigger picture with Carl Anthony Towns is – Hey, maybe this guy is pretty good, you know, and we we kind of have been talking about it all season long, but there is, there is just a baffling number of people and there are, and many are in the wolves nation, if you want to call it that, uh, who just didn't really give any sort of attention to, you know what, we're missing our best offensive player. And, and, and that just was, I could never really understand that. And let you look at the first two games that he did play against Atlanta and against Golden State. He wasn't great efficient. He wasn't efficient offensively. Um, but he, you look at he is not in game shape. He had not played for 52 games. He had never practiced with Mike Conley. He still has not practiced with Anthony Edwards since he got back. Um, uh, because Ant, Ant was sick that, that with the one practice that they had last weekend. Um, and yet he finds a way to really still be effective in the, in the Atlanta game. He 22 points game winning, uh, free throws, drew the foul, uh, got to the line. And then in the golden state game, hadn't shot well, he was three for 14. Then he buries a corner three and then an audacious pull up three with nine seconds to go to put them in, in the lead. I mean, he is so, so incredibly naturally talented. And when you add a guy like that back into the uh, the mix, it just makes the entire offense so much harder to guard. And so 
I cannot wait to watch him against Phoenix. I can't wait to watch him against the Lakers on Friday night and see if he, you know, kind of starts to slowly get that efficiency back and knock that rust off because when he does, they are really loaded with talent at every position offensively, given Jaden McDaniel's rise, given Rudy Gobert's increased confidence. Like they are loaded everywhere. And so, um, bringing him back into the lineup and seeing him hit those shots and and just draw the attention that he is, it's been enormously helpful. And maybe some people are starting to realize that a little bit more. It's just not complicated. A 6'11 guy who can run the floor, draw fouls, is your best three-point shooter who's historically good offensive big man early in his career, uh, also one of your leading rebounders. Um, you know, it, it, I'm sorry – He's not perfect, but the mm-hmm. the good outweighs the negative by an incredible margin. Yeah, yeah. Look, he yes, I, I think it's important. Like there are things that he um, does not bring to the table. Uh, certainly, especially when you're asking him to play defensively at the four, um, there are some things that you have to deal with. But um, I will take some of those things if. In return, I am getting legitimately top 10 offensive player in the league types of capabilities. And that's what he has, not just with the shooting, but with the passing. And you can take him down into the block and into the post. You can you can shoot it from outside. Uh, you, you can get him off of uh, running pin downs. You can do all sorts of things with him. And so... Um, does he he has you know yeah he sometimes he bitches at the officials too much sometimes there there's things but that so he does says, every good player in yeah, nba history they all do it there's also things that he says like you know that in, in interviews that you just like you chuckle at sometimes with yeah. some of the the corniness of it i think is is the way to put it he's a, he can be a little corny but guess what he is an all world type of a p- offensive player and that's a that's a good thing to have on the floor yeah and, and the last note about this you mentioned it uh this is a, a tremendous offensive player tremendous shooter who also is unselfish and a very good passer and that's uh, a rare combination. All right, let's get to the last note of today's show. Once again, thanks to listening. Uh, we're coming to you again from the Aquarius Home Services studio. A-Rod and Lori uh, bumped up their, their ownership to 40%. What does that mean? Yeah, the only thing that I, I would say that it means right now, Jim, is, well, first, two things. They are on track they have to, to complete this transaction. Now, there is still a big mountain to climb, for them to finish this off and get it done. But through the first two steps of the process, they have followed through on everything that they'd promised to do. Uh, There is a sort of, uh, I'm trying to think of how to say this. There's, there have been throughout this process, there have been persistent whispers in the NBA world that they're not they don't have the money they're not going to be able to finish this off like there is a a a constant doubt about Lori and A-Rod being able to do this and having the financial capabilities to do it all that um so far they've done exactly what they were supposed to do and they remain incredibly 
confident, not just confident, they're certain that they're going to finish this off. Remember, they have bought a a professional franchise for $1.5 billion. It the way that franchise valuations are skyrocketing, it's not uh, even at all ridiculous to say that like right now, today, the Timberwolves are worth well north of $2 billion. And so when you have a valuation um, at, at 1.5, that you have built-in equity already. And so I think that there is a belief that, hey, they will find the money because it's just such a good value at this point. Um, and so we'll see how that goes. But uh, but so far, they've, they've done everything that they uh, have promised, and uh, they have been really uh, increasingly present at games a lot. Mark Laurie was on the road in San Francisco and in Sacramento. Um, Alex has been all over the place with them. And so they're just full steam ahead with this, and, and they're going to keep going. And they're still... So one big chunk left to get, but they feel really good about how this process is going and that they're going to they're going to be able to complete this next year. And uh, they'll be the majority owners uh, in probably, you know, March of 2024 or so. Well, let's all enjoy this. This has been spectacular basketball. It's been fascinating to watch this team develop and figure things out as they go. It's going to be a fascinating next month or so. So thanks to John. Thanks to Brandon. Thank you all for listening to TalkNorth.com. We'll be back next week to give you more updates on the Wolves. Wolves.